The Way Out Podcast, episode 355. What is your name and what is the name of your organization? My name is Ashley and my organization is South Metro Community Services. Ashley, what is the mission of South Metro Community Services? So here at South Metro Community Services, we strive to connect individuals suffering from substance use disorder to vital resources. We fight together to empower autonomy and to decrease stigma. I love all of that, <laughs> it's good Ashley. Stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, that's a tremendous mission and one worth dedicating organizational resources to for sure. Ashley, how long have you worked for South Metro Community Services? I've been kind of a part of South Metro Community Services in some aspects since 2021. However, I stepped into the President of Operations role in 2022, and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Congratulations on the role, Ashley. That is amazing and certainly a reflection of the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Ashley, do you identify as a person in long-term recovery? I do, uh, and I tell people every chance that I get. And he said, especially in professional settings, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I did. I recently did a um, speech for the sheriff's department, and I introduced myself as a person in long-term recovery. And I said, you know, is anybody in, in this room in recovery? And nobody raised their hand. I said, just me? Okay. Um, so yes, I identify as a person in long-term recovery. And for me, that means that I have not used drugs or alcohol in over six years. That's absolutely amazing. And I love that you bring your recovery identity out into the world and are integrating it with your core identity. It's what I do on the daily and it's one of the things that's really been an integral part of my own recovery. Really like a superpower. Yeah, yeah. Right? That I can bring this everywhere. And you don't have to know me very long. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right? To know that I'm a person in long-term recovery. And that I'm very proud of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, very, I'm, I'm proud of it. And I also think it... It's my superpower. I think I've said that before. And it just, at that meeting, somebody came up to me and they said, thank you for saying that because um, I've been three years off of opiates and I never want to say that in a professional setting. And at that point in time, I kind of made a commitment everywhere I go, no matter who I'm meeting with, if it's the sheriff's department, if it's a judge, um, anybody, I'll let them know. That's awesome. I love that. And doing that in professional interactions in personal interactions does a lot of work in terms of shedding shame and eliminating stigma because if you know me as Charlie in a professional context or a personal context and then you know also that I'm a person in long-term recovery, you relate to me as a person first and understand that 
we're human beings just like everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Right. And that's a really important piece in terms of eliminating the stigma that still very much plagues substance use disorder, addiction, alcoholism, and the like. It does. And I think, you know, as as a leader within South Metro Community Services, I think that as, you know, as an RCO, I think that that's part of my duty. That's part of my job. And yeah. if it's not part of my job description, I, it should be. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No question. Ashley, how does South Metro Community Services serve the recovery community? Man, I could... How long do we have? <laughs> how long do we have? So we serve the, the recovery community in many ways, whether that is Home Free Boutique, where we offer free clothing to those suffering from substance use disorder, um, people you know, in active addiction, people in recovery. We kind of put dignity at the forefront of what we do. And we it's like a shopping experience, right? So we do that. We do a lot of no-cost tattoo removal for victims of domestic violence, human trafficking, also formerly incarcerated folks. Um, also hate speech tattoos. We can remove those on the hands, neck, and the face for free. We offer culturally specific to the best of our ability. Uh, peer recovery services where we work one-on-one with people who just need a little extra navigation, whether that's finding them an appropriate treatment center, whatever that case may be. We offer naloxone training, naloxone distribution, and fentanyl testing strip distribution as well to the community. So if anybody's in need of some training or some supplies, let us know. That's a whole lot that you all do. And it's really unique the suite of services that you're offering to the recovery community and we're going to dig much more into that in the main part of the interview Mm -hmm. but i do want to touch on the boutique because i just got to see it live and in person that's really great and it's not something i've seen any other recovery community organization do and being able to provide new or like new clothes to folks who don't have something as simple as that is a big deal. Right, right. And it's, you don't have to be going to a job interview to have nice clothes or new clothes, right? So any situation, well, welcome. I love that. (laughs) Ashley, last intro question. In your professional opinion, What does the recovery community need the most right now? Love. Unconditional love. Am I going to (laughs) cry? Am I going to cry right now? Love. I love that. I do. It's been my experience in my own recovery journey that that's ultimately what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. In all of my interactions Mm -hmm. with myself, with my higher power and with other people just get to love that's what everybody wants that's what everybody needs and I think there's just been such a lack of it you know and oftentimes people don't really think too highly of themselves so just let us think highly of you for you until you can do that for yourself very much reminds me of the 12 step mantra mm-hmm and we'll love you until you can love yourself. And yeah, and that's 
It's so important. And, you know, I think people probably say it a lot and we hear this a lot, but we need it. We need it. We do. I couldn't agree more. Welcome, Way Out faithful and first timers, to this week's installment of the Way Out podcast. We appreciate your ears. Our mission is simple to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out Podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12 step organization. The Way Out Podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees, in recovery. Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Listen up, everyone. Certified and professional recovery coaching is now available by going to wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. We want to help you and those you know who want help in building a strong, rewarding, and enduring recovery. Let our recovery experience and training enhance and strengthen your recovery by visiting wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. Finally, a word of caution, this podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and in this edition of The Way Out, I'm beyond honored to bring you my interview with President of Operations of South Metro Community Services and person in long-term recovery, Ashley Herget. South Metro Community Services is a 501c3 nonprofit recovery organization. They strive to connect individuals with substance use disorder to vital resources tailored to each person's unique needs, and they fight to empower autonomy and decrease stigma. Ashley shares a bit about her journey to and through recovery to this point, and if you'd like to hear her entire story, I highly encourage you to check out episode 184 for co-host Jason's outstanding interview with Ashley, both of whom I'm a complete an unabashed fan. What makes up the lion's share of what turned out to be a truly stellar discussion is illuminating what a recovery community organization or RCO is, how they fit into the recovery services landscape, what specific services South Metro Community Services provides the recovery community, and perhaps most importantly, why it all matters. At their core, RCOs fill a crucial gap in the recovery services landscape 
specifically addressing the needs of individuals with substance use disorder that are not addressed by the treatment industry. Often this happens before treatment, such as to help get folks into treatment or after folks leave treatment. But RCOs provide services at any point in a person's recovery journey. To invoke Ashley's analogy that she uses to explain what an RCO is, South Metro Community Services serves as a vital bridge for those with substance use disorder with services like peer recovery coaching, tattoo removal, and a clothing boutique, all at no cost, along with community services like naloxone training. Whether you find yourself in a place where you could benefit from services like these, or you are in a position where you can support the tremendous work South Metro Community Services does, you won't want to miss a minute of the phenomenal recovery rap session with the one and only Ashley Herget that's about to unfold before your very ears. So listen up. Ashley Herget, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Way Out podcast. You are a person in long-term recovery. You are the president of operations at South Metro Community Services. You're a mom, a wife, a sister, a daughter. You're a licensed drug and alcohol counselor, and you're a certified peer recovery specialist, and you're here with us to share a little bit about your journey to and through recovery, but mostly about South Metro Community Services, and I couldn't be happier about about it, Ashley, before we dig into all of that, why don't you take a moment to reintroduce yourself to the Way Out podcast audience. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and we'll get started. First of all, my face hurts from all of the smiling. That's a good <laughs> feeling. That's a good feeling. That is. Um, yeah, my name is Ashley, and I am a person in long-term recovery. I am originally from Lancaster, California. I moved here when I was 19. I had a red suitcase, and the only thing that was in that suitcase was a couple pairs of clothes and, of course, my Guitar Hero games, including the guitars. <laughs> so I traveled pretty light back then, and I didn't know it, but I moved to Minnesota for just the right reasons. We have so many resources for people struggling with substance use disorder and that was very much me i was very much so struggling i can't remember a time when i wasn't struggling i uh, worked at an arby's for a little while which i loved kind of <laughs> and then i decided that i wanted to change my life well i don't know if i i don't know who decided at some point i did decide but Things fell into place and I went to a couple treatment centers and started caring about myself and started loving myself, started believing in myself. Um, and I went to school to be a drug and alcohol counselor. And the rest is kind of history. <laughs> so I've got a number of questions. Okay. Ashley, <laughs> I love Minnesota. I'm born and raised. Mm -hmm. Why on earth? at 19 years old, did you decide moving to Minnesota was a good idea? From, Ca from California. From California. Can I be honest? Yes, please. Vulnerable? Yes, please. Okay, cool. For a boy, ooh, <laughs> for a boy, um, I 
in my use, I was somewhat manipulative. Mm. I think that a lot of people can probably identify with that. Mm -hmm. And I needed to get the hell out of Dodge being California. And so I kind of found, and this makes me feel bad today to say this, you know, but I found somebody that would put up with me. Sure. And give me a place to stay. Sure. And so I moved to Minnesota. Right. And just wreaked havoc for the first couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Turned out to be a very fortunate move mm. for a lot of reasons, not the least of which Minnesota is indeed the land of 10,000 treatment centers. Mm-hmm. So when you became ready to begin your recovery journey, mm-hmm. Minnesota is a pretty good place to start that. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Growing up in Southern California, I thought that, you know, uh, people with substance use disorder, I thought they went to meetings. And then maybe if you were really rich, you could go to a treatment center in Florida, like a little retreat, you know, a little vacation. So that was never even an option. For That was never even in my, you know, brain of a possibility for me. I thought that Honestly, I was I thought that yeah, I would probably have made it in life if I was able to fraudulently um collect social security disability, have a few kids, perhaps work at a red lobster. Um and that was my goal for myself <laughs> for most of my life, yeah. <laughs> so you've far exceeded any of that now that you are indeed a person in long-term recovery. Tell me a little bit about that journey for you and what about that journey inspired you to become a drug and alcohol counselor and then ultimately to work for South Metro Community Services? What inspired me? How did that? I don't even really know. So uh, originally I went to treatment center to a treatment center because my sister wasn't going to pay my electricity bill if I didn't go. Is that tough love? I think so. Okay. I think so. So I said, you know what? I might as well go. <laughs> I might as well go. And I loved treatment. I'm very much so. It's like, oh my gosh, I get to sit in a circle and talk about my feelings. And I get, you know, I can do my laundry. I, had, I hadn't done laundry in so long. They're going to feed me. This is great. And I thought that I was retaining it. You know, I was there and I was happy and I was, I got out and I was, you know, at the liquor store the next day. So this is strange. And then I went back, you know, and same thing, except I stayed longer. And I got out. It was the same thing. I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. I'm doing the things that they're telling me to do, but it's something's not clicking. Uh-huh. And at one point, it was on Easter. Everything always happens on Easter for me for some reason. Um I was doing live-in PCA work and I had returned to use and my, my boss told me that he believed in me. And then just that like notion that somebody believed in me mm. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, so I went back to treatment and I started achieving goals, you know, little goals here and there, like getting your driver's license and those types of things. And funny story, the reason why I got into the field initially, um, I initially worked at Missions Withdrawal Management, which is now Judy Rhetorith Withdrawal Management. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I decided that I wanted to take that avenue because when I was in withdrawal management in 
St. Cloud, the staff, they were so nice to me. You know, they were just, they treated me with respect. They, I spent my birthday, you know, at this withdrawal management center and they sang me songs and I was just crying the whole time. You know, I just, I felt so sick and tired and they couldn't provide clients with cigarettes at that time. And there was this nurse who saw me crying and she came in and she brought me a cigarette and I made that cigarette last like, you know, like, like three times, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, that cigarette and her kindness changed my life. And I thought I have to be in this field one way or another. So I started working at, at the withdrawal management center and that's kind of what kicked it off. I love that because you experienced an act of love. Yes. Yeah. And we talked about that a little bit in the intro in mm-hmm. terms of what you feel like the recovery community needs the most is love. Right. And interesting how an act of love ignited mm-hmm. your passion to work in the recovery community. Right. That act of love came in the form of a marble light. <laughs> <laughs> love it, takes all manner and forms, does it not? It, yeah, I, it can be anything. And and so at that point, uh, I you know, I was working and I didn't I didn't have my GED, so I lied. I'm sorry. <laughs> I lied to, to the withdrawal management center and said that I had my GED, but I didn't. And then I decided that I was going to give it a shot. You know, I, I've always kind of felt like I wasn't smart enough. Mm. That's always been a big, it's still kind of big for mm. me. Um, and I passed my GED test. And then that very same day, I went and I applied for college. And it was great. It's evident that part of the missing Peace for you in terms of success, yeah. however we want to define that in recovery, was believing in yourself. 100%. 100%. And it took somebody saying out loud that they believe in you in order for you to start taking steps to believe in yourself. Right. And then it just, it took off from there. Just like, you know, so Christopher Falk. Yes. Yes. So do you remember when he used to wear those headphones all the time? Yes. Do you really? Yes. I 100% do. Okay. So let me paint the picture. (laughs) Okay. He's got these headphones on and he's visiting. This is how I meet him. He's visiting a client at withdrawal management. He's a CPRS at this time. Right. Yep. And he leaves his headphones there and he calls back. And he said, hey, I want to come pick up my headphones. So I, you know, he came in, he picked up his headphones. And he kind of was like, hey, have you ever thought about being a certified peer recovery specialist? And, you know, I thought, what's that? Mm-hmm. And he told me, he explained it to me. And he said, Minnesota Recovery Connection is hiring. And they'll pay you like $18 an hour. I was like, $18 an hour? <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so, you know, I... I took his advice and I went and I applied um, for the, the mobile substance use disorder support group. That's where we visited uh, participants in hospital rooms and withdrawal management centers in attempts to decrease substance use related emergency room visits. Mm-hmm. 
And I took the training, the MRC, the Recovery Coach Academy, and it changed my whole life. The, the, you'll see a theme here. It changed my whole life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I started doing that work. And I, for once, I purposely absorbed the things that were going on around me. They were talking about equity. They were talking about motivational interviewing. They were talking about supporting different pathways. They were talking about inclusivity. Uh, and I soaked it all in. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was like, this is great. First of all, yes. You know, second of all, I think that this is going to come in handy. Yeah. I think this is going to come in handy. And I just soaked it all in and I tucked, you know, I tucked it back away in my mind somewhere. Um, I was going to school at that time. And then the whole COVID thing happened. Right. And we couldn't go into those emergency rooms anymore. We couldn't go into those um, withdrawal management centers. So I said, let me just take some time to focus on myself and, you know, figure out what I want to do with my life. And then I finished school and I got an internship a paid internship, which is unheard of. They paid me like 14 buckaroos an hour, <laughs> which is better Which is better than the typical zero. It is better than that. Much better. So pay your, in, maybe just like, even if it's like five bucks an hour, pay your intern something, please. It made my life so much more manageable. Um, and I started doing that work and I really loved it. I figured out I knew how to talk to people and I knew how to be with people and... That was really great. And then, do you know Lexi? Lexi Reed? Yes. Yes. So I saw Lexi Reed once and she was having a board meeting with some of the folks um, that were at the treatment center. They were using the treatment center for you know their board meeting. And she complimented like my loafers. Because <laughs> at this time, I thought in order to be professional, I need a pantsuit. Yes. I need loafers. Yes. And perhaps a monocle. Okay. Perhaps. Okay. And so she, she complimented it. And then they, they pulled me in and they were just kind of asking my knowledge about peer recovery services and those things. And I, you know, started talking about individualized care plans and mm. equity and all of the things that I learned at Minnesota Recovery Connection. Yeah. And they said, you know, she's speaking the language. And they said, can you help us? And well, I mean, maybe. What do you want? You know, they, well, we... We need a mission statement and we need values and we need a website mm-hmm. and we need services and we need to build <laughs> connections with people in the recovery community and we need to get ARCO certified and we need to fundraise. And I said, sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. I only have my associate's degree, by the way. A lot. Yeah. A lot. I would have been overwhelmed. Were you overwhelmed? Yeah, but that's, I get in a weird space when I'm overwhelmed. Sure. I get in this weird, like, survive. I don't know if it's, uh, like, a control issue. I don't know what it is, but I get inspired by that. Like, kind of mm. like when somebody says you can't do something, well, we'll sure. see. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So, folks that are listening know, what is a recovery community organization or RCO. So this question, so R- this has been, you know, RCOs have been a thing for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Certified peer recovery specialists have been a thing for quite a long time. Actually, Chris Falk, when we were you know, talking back, he was one of the trailblazers. Yeah. You know, for sure. 
And, you know, MRC, they were some of the trailblazers. And so essentially a recovery community, I like to explain it. So there's treatment, right, which treats substance use disorder. There's a recovery community organization, which just helps people in recovery out. Like we understand that navigating your life afterwards is so hard to do or during, you know, or or any of those cases. So a recovery community organization is like a bridge. Mm. You know, it's also serves as like a resource hub. We have people who, you know, that work for us where their lived experience is the qualification, you know? I don't think there's ever been a job like that. Like, hey, do you have a DWI? Yeah. Okay, we need you. Right. You know what I mean? Specifically. Specifically you. Are you justice involved? Do you have any felonies? Yes. Perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. Right. Right. It's wild. Yes. Yes, please. Right. And so what we do is we help people. You know, we help people maybe fill. I hate filling out paperwork. Oh, when I have to like renew my medical insurance, I just don't. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just be sick. That's fine. It's the worst. It is. It's the worst. We help people with that. We help people find felony friendly housing, appropriate, safe felony friendly housing. Mm -hmm. Right. We help people get to, you know, get to a place where they feel comfortable in their life and that they're not having to settle just because they're in recovery. You know, we can help people with anything, jobs, you know, clothing resources, IT, you know, if somebody needs a laptop for school, we can help with that. We can, we just have people who want to help people navigate life because life is hard. I don't know if you guys know this, but life is really hard. And it gets lifey. It gets really lifey. It gets really lifey. And we can we can be there for that, you know, for that lifiness. Also, we advocate for, you know, policy change to support people in recovery. A lot of these folks that are justice involved, maybe they don't, I mean, maybe they don't need prison. Maybe they need treatment. Maybe they need love. Right. You know? Right. Right. We provide equitable resources not every but that abstinence based you know model of recovery is not everybody's thing mm. and that's okay mm-hmm. we determine we determine success not by abstinence i i determine success for people like are you seeing your doctor a little bit more sure maybe sure are you going to the dentist a little bit more right are you taking care of your mental health right. a little bit more right decreasing harm you know I heard a quote, and I can't remember who said it, about harm reduction. And it really encapsulated why I am such a big advocate of it and why we raise that up as a valid pathway to recovery. And that is... You can't treat a dead person. I said that. I've I said that to a police officer. So I waltzed into this police station. I'm not going to say where. I waltzed into this police station. I said, "Do you guys carry Narcan, naloxone?" They said, "No." And I said, "Oh, well, that's weird." And then they kind of asked me. They said, "Well, isn't that kind of isn't that kind of uh, enabling?" I said, "No, you can't treat a dead person." And the cop looked at me like, "What?" <laughs> And I want to talk more about that measuring success 
and what that means because I do really love that measuring success by how the individual is thriving right in community in their work life in their personal life in life in general rather than this very black and white how long have you been sober right <laughs> and it's and that comes with that's education also yeah. right i think that once you know yourself you know they say like uh, on those exorcist movies you know that you have to know the demon's name before yeah. you can exercise the demon yeah. right and so for me, I like to educate people on substance use disorder. I like to educate people on self-medicating, you know, all of those types of things so that they can determine what success looks like for them with like an educated perspective. Absolutely. And so to put it into context for folks so that we can get a better idea of where recovery community organizations fit within the spectrum of care mm-hmm. really start with detox or those kinds of services as often the entry mm-hmm. treatment which to your well stated description they treat substance use disorder mm-hmm. I think extended outpatient and in that piece right not everybody and it's really important i think that's why i think recovery community organizations are so critical and play such a huge role i can relate it to my own recovery journey i was very fortunate that my now third ex-wife even though she hated my guts Mm -mm allowed me to stay on her insurance that's awesome long enough to go to hazelden for free wow and also participate in extended outpatient i needed every minute of it Mm -hmm. i'm eternally grateful to her for that not everybody has that they don't they don't and i think that that so Oftentimes, treatment centers, they have certified peer recovery specialists on staff. However, that's treatment plan driven. Yeah. You know? And the outcomes that they are trying to achieve are treatment specific. Correct. Correct. And so let's say, you know, you have somebody who's been in treatment, I don't know, we'll say 90 days, and they've been working with this peer recovery specialist, you know, getting things, getting things going and then they're discharged, you know, even with staff approval, right? It's time yeah. to move on and, you know, now they don't have anything. They- <laughs> right. They get a meeting list. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And good luck. Yeah. And they like a little certificate of completion, which is great. You know, we love that. Yes. That's also, which kind of brings me to like, so I I work with Scott in Dakota County and one of the individuals I work with in Scott County, her name is Peg, and I love her so much. She'll refer people to peer recovery special services. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. She'll refer that. That's huge. That's huge. I asked somebody once, I said, why don't, I said, could we do that? 
could you know th- this treatment center could could you refer for peer recovery services and they said could you tell me why what do you mean <laughs> um sure let me like give you a little powerpoint you know i don't know <laughs> why not because of the bridge and so that's what we talk about when we talk about recovery community organizations being organizations that are flexible enough mm-hmm. to be able to provide one-on-one right services and identify the areas of need for the individual and start addressing those needs and it makes me think that that's how we define success in many ways when it comes to what recovery community organizations do is being able to address the needs of an individual, whether that be clothing, whether that be mental health, mm-hmm. whether that be financial, mm-hmm. whether that be recovery specific and finding a pathway that works for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's harm reduction. Maybe that's 12 step. Maybe that's smart. Maybe that's something right. else. Right. And it's kind of our job too to look into these things, you know what I mean? And give people all of the options, mm-hmm. you know, all of the options. And I think that, so treatment definitely, obviously played a pivotal role in my recovery and who I am as a person now. But after that, you know, that 90 days was a small chunk of my life, Yeah, you know? And I determined success as completing treatment at that point in time. Right. Yeah, it's you like, graduated. I graduated. Everything's <laughs> fine. I'm great. Ta-da. I'm cured. Yeah. But it's a it honestly it, it sounds cheesy, but it's a journey. It is. It's a, it's not a destination, it's a journey. And South Metro Community Services can help you with that journey and make it less journey y. <laughs> what I like about how we define success is that it's been my experience that using abstinence and the length thereof is the only marker Mm. of success is so woefully incomplete. Right. Because you and I both know that a person can be abstinent and miserable. Yes. And struggling mightily Mm -hmm. and if we're only looking for how long have you been sober check that off okay we're good to go good job right we're not really addressing the underlying needs of the individual right and i think that oftentimes And maybe I'm guilty of this in my work as a clinician. And if so, I'm sorry. I think that oftentimes people are almost accused of not being really, you know, ready for recovery or not really being in it when they're worried about their finances. You know, you get somebody that goes to treatment and they're like, no, I can't come. You know, I have I have a house. I have kids. And we tell them, you know. Maybe you're, you're here because you need to keep those things and this is how you're going to do it. And we almost dismiss them being concerned about these things and take it as a sign as they're not serious or they're just trying to get out of it. 
That's a great point. And we hear a lot, well, if you don't make your recovery the most important thing, mm-hmm. then nothing else matters. Right. And there's some truth to that. There definitely is, yeah. However, that misses the fundamental truth that if I am really worried about losing my house, mm-hmm. if I'm really worried about losing my kids or my job or anything that's core to being able to live a a comfortable life, define comfortable however you want, but a reasonably comfortable life, that's going to erode at my ability to be able to concentrate on my recovery. Mm -hmm. When I got kicked out of my house, if I didn't have a place to live, I don't really think recovery would have been possible. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for my boss at the time lending me $1,100 so I could get a deposit on a townhome, so my kids and I had a place to live, I do not think I'd be sober today. I honestly don't think so. Mm-hmm. It meant that much. And I only got that money because I was connected. Right. Because I had a resource. And that is, so that brings me to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. And how I have tried really hard to implement that into the foundation of South Metro Community Services. And for those who don't know, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is you need, you need to have your safety concerns met. You need to have your, you know, physical concerns met, all of these things. You need a place to live. You need food. You need water. You need companionship. You need community. You need all of these things to get to that self-fulfillment level. And we're, we're telling people that they should be there without having their basic needs met. And you just can't do that to somebody. You can't do that to somebody. 100%. And it's disingenuous and counterproductive to perpetuate a message that it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, housing, no housing, food, no food, that if you want it bad enough, (laughs) then you'll recover. And if you don't want it bad enough, then you won't. And, you know, and again, and again, there's some truth to the recoveries for people who want it not for people who need mm-hmm. it there's some truth to that but it's not the whole truth right it's an incomplete truth and it's one that we've been oh there's so many of those so kind of like um you know you have to hit your bottom you absolutely do not have to hit your bottom if you're listening to this you do not have to hit your bottom substance use disorder as a clinician we rate it on severity right if you come in at like a moderate to a mild risk you don't have to get to severe. Right. No. You don't have to set your whole life on fire to get better. It's it is preventative in some in some capacity, and that is keeping people out there. Do you know how many times people say like, "Oh, well, I have a place to live, and I have you know, I still have my kids. I don't need help. I haven't hit bottom yet." Okay. You know, <laughs> in what other in what other situation in what other you know whether it's a disorder or disease or however you want to put it, what other disorder do you do we do that with? 
that's a great point. And the myth that one must hit quote end quote rock bottom in order to recover is a myth that we smash on this podcast on the regular because it's Good. complete and total BS. It is. And it keeps people sick. Yes. It keeps people sick for so long. And let's just play that game, Ashley. Yeah. How does one know when their rock bottom is? Is there some sort of universal litmus test that tells a person when they're at their rock bottom? Google it. No, right? <laughs> so yeah. we don't know. You don't know. There is the only true rock bottom is when you're dead. Mm-hmm. That's rock bottom. Anything right. short of that? is when you've decided to enter recovery or was your entry, I wouldn't even say decided because like you, for me, yeah, at some point it was a decision, but there was something that happened before that that wasn't my choice. Right. That happened to me. Mm-hmm. It happened to me in some ways despite me. And then I made the decision, yes. Mm-hmm. So anything short of death is just when you entered recovery right and there and there are so many bottoms yes there are so many bottoms and people come in just beat to shit excuse my french you know and they're ashamed yeah they're ashamed to come back and i you know i give them a hug and i'm just like i'm happy you're alive man you know so the bottom the bottom it really is death yes Anything short of that, you stop digging. Right, right. Okay. And so that's how I define bottom is when when I stopped digging. That was my bottom. Right. And I realized I didn't have to do what I was doing anymore. And I realized mm-hmm. and I truly believed that I could recover and that recovery would be worthwhile. And it is. And it is. It totally is. And go. And we'll, I just want to touch briefly back on the Maslow's hierarchy of need thing. Sorry, I'm all over the place. But at some point, that drug or that alcohol is something that your body feels like it needs. Yes. It replaces in your brain right. what it thinks it needs for survival. Yeah. And it can supersede food. Yes. And it does often. Yeah. It did for me often. Right. And so, you know, you're in the middle of a desert, right? And somebody has a glass of water, just cold water. You can't have this water. Okay. Well, you're going to probably stab that person, you know, something. <laughs> you're going to take rash measures at that point, right? Because you need that you water. Need you need it. Same thing with alcohol, right? Or drugs. When your body is dependent on it, you need it and you'll do anything for it. And it's not a moral thing. It's not a choice. You know, make good choices. It's survival. It's survival. Absolutely. And you talk about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and it makes me think that's very much what recovery coaches and peer recovery specialists do when they're trying to build recovery capital. Yes. Yes. Right? Are your basic needs met? Yeah. Do you feel like you have adequate access to health care? Right. Right. 
You know what right. I mean? And so that's that recovery capital piece is so it's so important. And I really I really wish that my wish is that everybody would participate in these type in in filling out these types of things and, and doing that because there are so many gaps. Yes. There are so many gaps and people don't want to fill out this paperwork because, you know, nobody likes paperwork, but <laughs> it tells it's very telling. So I think this is a interesting transition into, you know, you and I both wholeheartedly agree recovery is possible and absolutely worth it. But in order for it to be worth it, we have to build out that recovery capital that allows us to build a life without substances mm-hmm. that's worth living. Because if it's not, what is the point? Right. right. So creating a life that you don't feel the need to escape from, that's where it's at. Boom. Right? Easier said than done. Totally. And that's the yeoman's work. That is the hard work, I think, of mm-hmm. a recovery community organization. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, so... I can kind of, I can understand why people in some of the situations that people are in when they come to us, I can understand why they want to drink and use drugs. Right. I get it. So how do we create a life for you where you're, you don't feel like you need to escape? Right. And that's different for everybody, whether that's getting somebody's tattoos removed off their face. Yes. Right. You know, whether, whatever the case may be, people, it's, it's a hard journey, but people just need to to know that there are people there that can help. You know, you're not yeah. in it alone. Yeah, I love that. And there are resources available, and a ton of them, from South Metro Community Services that can start filling those gaps and addressing those really critical needs so that folks can start building lives worth living that they don't want to escape from. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. I love my job. I honestly, I love it. I love everything about it. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So, a few things. Tell me about, well, before we get into our closing questions... I have a question, and this is one that I've been sort of like, am I going to ask Ashley this or am I not? But I'm going to. Ooh, yay. Tell me about, and of course, names can be anonymous, but tell me about an individual that South Metro Community Services served Mm. where you felt like you really made a big difference in their lives. Tell me about that. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. So one of our first Ink Initiative participants, they came in and we did we did a screening and they had a a large I'm not gonna say which animal because mm-hmm. it would be you know, you could yes, point anonymous. this person. Yeah. So a large animal, we'll just say a horse, right? A large horse on their face, tattooed right on their cheek, a crying horse. And this person indicated that they were involved in some trafficking Mm. and that their abusers and their captors 
forced them to get various things tattooed on their face in attempts to not have, you know, so that nobody else would want to associate with them or so that nobody else perhaps would want to be intimate with them. And she was just like crying, you know, and I, she's like, it hasn't even been a possibility for me. And I look in the mirror and I see this, you know, this tattoo, it's like a big tattoo on my face. And it's just a constant, you know, reminder of how I'm not good enough and how nobody's ever going to want to be with me and how I am this person's property. Let that sink in. I am this person's property. And we got the tattoo removed. Took a bunch of sessions, but we got it removed. That's absolutely beautiful. And what a wonderful representation of how South Metro Community Services can literally change a person's life. Imagine looking in the mirror and having to be reminded of the unthinkable trauma that you endured. And you can't look in the mirror without thinking of that. And imagine having to wear that out into the world and what a barrier that is and that must have been for that person. And everything. So there we have like the emotional impact, obviously, right? Obviously, you know, getting a job was yeah. hard. So she felt even more, you know, like marginalized, yeah. disconnected. Yeah. And I, I don't know. That one just really warmed my heart. Yeah. And it made it, it, all of the all of the ink initiative things are, are hold a very special place in my heart. I bet. Um, but that one really like I just cried. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And I can only imagine the freedom mm-hmm. your clients experience on the other side of your ink initiative experience. Yes. It's it's fantastic. And we couldn't do any of it without the help of the removery. They're the ones that, you know, that remove the tattoos and we just do the screening. And they it's it's life changing. It's life changing for me to be a part of this. You know, it's life changing to see the evolution of South Metro Community Services and what just what some lady in recovery can do. Absolutely. Last question before our closing questions, Ashley. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the future for South Metro Community Services? I see more gap filling, right? And and I've I've been working really closely for you know um, Medicare, right? Folks with Medicare, it's really hard for them to get into treatment. So bridging that gap, hopefully being able to acquire some funding to scholarships and people to go to treatment, um, perhaps scholarshipping people to be able to get their Suboxone or their Sublicade shots. That would be something I would love to do. And to just be more mobile. That's what I would love. I would love to do pop-up boutiques. I would love to be able to go to people and screen them for tattoo removal. I would love just to be able to meet people where they're at, you know, a little bit more, um, I would like to still be creative, you know. I'd like to do like pop-up boutiques at like different treatment centers 
where, you know, maybe they can just like cover the transportation costs and say like, you know, let's go pop, do a little pop-up boutique and people can shop. I love, I love it. I love it. The future looks very, very bright. Thank you. For South Metro Community Services. If you want to support South Metro Community Services, Ashley, how would they do that? So you can support South Metro Community Services by a huge one is just following us on social media. Honestly, just getting the word out there so that it's uh, our handle on everything. We do have TikTok. We make very funny TikToks. (laughs) So on everything, we got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. So it's smcs.recovery. So yeah, you can follow us anywhere. Also, we have a website, smcsmn.org. You can either, you know, volunteer or don't we all, you know, always taking donations, clothing donations for the boutique are great if you want to volunteer for any of our events. And also um, monetary donations are always accepted. We offer all of these services for free. I don't I think I, I forgot to say that, but that's like the, that's the that's the kicker. It's free. It is free. All of that information is in the show notes. So check the show notes right now for all of that tremendous information Ashley provided. Ashley, are you ready for our closing questions? Yeah. (laughs) Who or what inspires you to keep working to serve the recovery community? Who or what inspires me to keep? The girls that I work with, Libby and Lauren, they are new to this field and they are just learning so much and they are learning that their recovery is their superpower and their lived experience makes them qualified. So I I keep going for them and people like them um, who just want to use their situation for good. That's tremendous. And in a very real way, mm. you are helping them in their recovery by believing in them. Oh, I so believe in them. <laughs> they rock. They rock. It's they're, It's a dream. It's a dream. And so we talk about those positive feedback loops mm-hmm. that we can perpetuate in our community mm-hmm. by believing in people and supporting people. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What single piece of advice would you give someone working in the field of recovery believe in yourself seriously believe in yourself dream bigger actually dream bigger you can do whatever you want if you set your mind to it and you have that passion and you have that desire i've been working on like writing grants grants you know typing you know big words all that good stuff i never thought that i could do that i never thought that i could do that believe in yourself dream bigger and ask for more money (laughs) I mean, real. (laughs) Seriously, don't be afraid to ask for money. Don't be afraid to ask for money. (laughs) It's everybody, isn't everybody's dream to do what they genuinely love to do and to get paid well for it? it. Yes, that is the whole enchilada right there. Mm, Enchiladas. I love, I love enchiladas so much. Yeah, me too. Me too. So much. And okay, this is completely off topic, but... For a hot minute there, my fiance and I would go to really, really good Mexican restaurants and then mm-hmm. I'd get fish tacos, grilled fish tacos. Mm-hmm. Now, I like fish tacos, Ashley. I do. Right. But they had amazing 
enchiladas there that I, on purpose, didn't order because fish tacos are healthier. Oh, well, you got to get the enchilada, duh. You got to get the enchiladas. You just do, okay? Do it. Just do it. Yes, they're so good. (laughs) (laughs) What is the greatest challenge you've had working in the field of recovery thus far? So this is the, do you want me to be honest? Yes, please. We insist on it. So being a female-ran organization, Mm -hmm. while we have men on our board, you know, all those things, but primarily day-to-day operations are ran by females. Yep. There are a lot of professionals in this field, men, I'm not going to name any names, but that are kind of, they cross those professional boundaries and they make it, I feel like they use their power or sense of power to get dates. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. So there's that. Okay, I was not expecting that, but that's real. That is real. At some point in time, I'm going to talk about it more because I think it needs to be talked about. But just know that, you know, right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's real. And I think that does need to be talked about more. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. And I don't think the field of recovery is unique in that. Mm-mm. No, it's right. it, it's everywhere. It's not just recovery. I'm right. just saying in general. But that's your experience. But yeah, that's my experience. Also, I think that you know a lot of people underestimate. Yes. Oh, totally. And that's it's oh, hard to totally. It's and it's like I want to be humble. Like I'm not trying to school people. Right. You know what I mean. But also right. like. But hey. also want to be taken seriously. Right. And right. so I think that I think that that's the biggest thing. It's like a lot. I think that sometimes, and I, th- I want to say that it's happened maybe about like five times. Um, I feel like sometimes that our work has been diminished to physical appearance. Sure. And that's messed up. So don't do that. Right. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, I hear here. Don't do that. Okay. Let's not. Can we not? Can we not? This is why we can't have nice things. (laughs) Love that. Ashley, what is the greatest success you've had working in the field of recovery thus far? And is it, not kind of just a wild guess, is it saying no to the date? Saying no okay. to, yeah, there's that, yeah. <laughs> Dodging that bullet. Right, right. Um, I think it has, wait, what's the question again? <laughs> like, wait, wait, my greatest success. Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this into two categories, right? Okay, so the first category, my greatest success, is just being able to be with people. Mm. Just being able to be with people. Mm-hmm. And then also my greatest success has been being able to build an organization. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. It's, it's a, so fun. Yes. And a ton of work. A ton of work. And turns out I like I like work. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Ashley, what is the biggest mistake you've made working in the field of recovery thus far? Probably just telling you right now about the dates. (laughs) (laughs) That could be it. I'm sorry. I am human. No, um, my biggest mistake is I'm, I'm over, I'm very invested. Mm. I'm very invested. And I think that, um, that gets hard when you're so sure, invested in, yeah. in people, um, because at the end of the day, I don't have I don't have control over if somebody has you know makes 
makes the best choices for their life. I don't have control over that. And it gets, it gets hard, you know, and I beat myself up when maybe things don't go right. And so I would just say to people that, um, all you have to do is just, like I said, be there with somebody. That is your job. Your job is not to fix your job. That's not your job. Just be there with somebody. And that's sometimes all they need. That's real. And I appreciate the authenticity and the vulnerability in that answer because it's a difficult line to walk to be at once really invested and passionate right. in the work and also understand that you can't fix them. You can't make them do X, Y, or Z or take advantage mm-hmm. of whatever services they may need. And ultimately, being responsible only for the effort and not for the outcome. Right. Easy, Like I said, easier said than done. So much easier said than done. And I can relate in my personal life with my oldest child. Mm-hmm. They're on the struggle bus right now, okay? Beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to fix it. Right. And save them. Mm-hmm. And I can't. You cannot. You cannot. And you'll drive yourself crazy trying to. And I also, because of the work I've done on this podcast, the work I've done in recovery, I also deeply understand my desire to want to fix them, save them. It's not about them. It's about me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a me thing. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of things are a me thing. (laughs) And quite honestly, I'm not happy about it. (laughs) And like you said, it's a lot easier said than done. Right. right? You you have to be mindful, right? You just have to. And sometimes it's like, sometimes you won't do the greatest at it, but then sometimes you will. Yeah, totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. And that's why it, it is a day at a time thing, right? Yeah, it re- that's that's some real advice. It is one day at a time. Really? Last question. Ooh. What song symbolizes your work in the field of recovery, Ashley? So a lot of people don't know what this song is, but that's fine. Look it up. So it's E-double, and it's called What It Do?, And the song just symbolizes having people in your life who just understand, you know, and willing to navigate life with you. And that's my work in the recovery field. I've had so many people help me, you know, I've had I've asked for help. I beg for help. And then sometimes I get too much of it. And then my my, my email is full and I'm like, what do I do with all this help? So E-Devil, What It Do, and that is the theme song for 21st Century Recovery Podcast, the podcast um, that SMCS records. That's a tremendous song recommendation and one that has not been evoked (laughs) as of yet until right this moment on the Way Out podcast. So that's absolutely fantastic. Check the show notes right now for a handy link to E-double what it do (laughs) and for 21st Century Recovery Podcast as well as all of the great ways to connect with South Metro Community Services 
all in the show notes. So check it out as well as, of course, a handy link to our curated Spotify playlist with all of the song recommendations that have been added over the many, many episodes at this point. And I waited to the end to say this on purpose. Ashley did an episode with her own recovery (laughs) journey. So check that out. You'll see it and you'll find her own episode about her journey to and through recovery to that point. Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you. For being on the Way Out podcast and telling us all about the tremendous work South Metro Community Services is doing. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, everybody out there in Way Out podcast land. We will talk to you next time. Thank you for being a part of The Way Out. We appreciate your ears. We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week. So keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to The Way Out Podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time, and remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.